Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast. By the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact. Make yourselves heard. What's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. This is episode number 78, I think. And my name's Pete Selby and alongside me, along the airwaves anyway, it's Mr Rob Hayes. Hello Rob, how are you? Can you hear me over and out? I can indeed. This technology thing, we've got it down to a T now and it means we don't have to be in the same room as each other. That's good. It's good news. That is good. Because uh, I don't like you, you know, really. Um, you know, for Fox 8 HQ, it's gone downhill slightly. So I think it's best if we just stick to our own lairs and uh, and do it over the airwaves. I think it's good. 78 episodes in and you're finally telling me how you feel. I'm glad this is an honest podcast. No, we'll have to get back to for Fox 8 HQ, though. The ne- I tell you what, the next episode... We'll both make an effort to be back at HQ. Although, to be fair, this sounds really good anyway. It's uh, it's decent quality um, because we want the standards to be high um, and we demand high standards of, for fuck's sake, and we demand high standards of Leicester City and we got them on Sunday. Oh, Peter, your links get smoother and smoother. How about that? It's almost like I do it for a job. <laughs> but um, So anyway, yeah, we've, we've got a new manager. Don't know whether you knew. Claude. King Claude. Claudio. No, just Claude. Oh, just Claude. Claude Claude Puel, or Puel, or however people want to say it. Um, I, I suppose, really, we, we, I know we're doing this kind of, uh, you know, after he's been appointed and after the performance and what happened on Sunday. But um, I, I think the, the one thing that we have to, to start with is really not at the beginning. Let's start now and the position of being a Leicester supporter after... Puel's been uh, introduced to the crowd, introduced to the players. He's now been a, a, a Leicester manager for a game, a very successful game. And how do we feel about it now rather than at the time? Because that's kind of been and gone. We'll, we'll go back to it. But for me, I, as we all know, we're quite level-headed on for Fox's sake. We don't go mad. The old rant and rave. I turned around after that game and, t- and said, we can finish seventh. Okay. Now, before on the, the season, on the balance of ninety minutes of football, on the balance against of, a team in the relegation zone. Correct. Uh, not even on the balance of ninety minutes of football. On the balance of forty-five minutes of football. But for me, I look at that Premier League now and go, top six are miles clear of everyone else. Seventh place was Everton's. It's not going to be theirs this season unless a new manager comes in and turns it around. But I don't think they will be able to to the extent of finishing seventh. Teams that will be going for seventh are all much of a much. Leicester, the way they played in that first half, the players that we've got, the squad we've got, the possibilities that we've got, we should be aiming for seventh. That's how impressed I was, not just in Puel and his his team and his formation, but it's the way that they played. And it's not just the way that they played, it's, it's the fact that every player on that field showed what they can do. And there's more to come. We know what certain players can do, because we've seen them do it and win the league, but... It's it's what other players who weren't in that team when we won the league can do. And the freedom that they were given by a formation and by a manager who probably didn't have an awful lot to say to them, but 
the way that they were let free and said, go on, do your stuff. And a decent, and when I mean decent Everton, I'm talking regarding it like their bat line, for example. You know, They got experienced. They just they got demolished in that first 45 minutes. It could have been three, it could have been four, maybe should have been. Um, and it was just so exciting. And again, I don't like to go over the top about things, but you have to be mightily impressed. Second half, I know we had to control the game and, and, and try and defend uh, against an Everton side who you can't remember we've got Wayne Rooney in the side who's a good player who was unfortunate to be pulled off I thought he was, he was the uh, the best player really on their side by quite a distance and they changed the formation and they got back into it but we held firm Schmeichel didn't have anything to do but you have to be mightily impressive uh, impressed by that first half yeah it was um, quite a, a bold team selection in some ways that my first thought was uh, I saw it and I thought Okay, uh, Fuchs and Chilwell in the same team. He looks that looks slightly negative down down the left hand side, and Clubwell has been has been sort of not called out as such, but but some Southampton fans saying, "Yeah, we finished eighth. Yeah, we got to the League Cup final, but it was some of the worst football we've ever seen uh, Southampton play under Puel." So when I saw that, I thought, "Okay, here we go. We've gone very negative at home very early." But then when you see Mares and Gray in the starting lineup for the first time in in God knows how long, and you think, right, this is exciting here because we know Chilwell's likely to play down the left, but then is Gray going to play 10? Is Mares going to play 10? It's quite fluid uh, in many ways. It could even, uh, if he'd wanted to, made it, it could have been Chilwell and Simpson as sort of wing-backs, but it turned out that Riyad Mares was just popped in the number 10 role, didn't really have an awful lot you know when you play Mares out wide, he has to have some kind of defensive responsibilities. Although nine times out of ten, he's covered by Danny Simpson's um, sort of um, Danny Simpson sticking to his job, which he's very good at. Uh, Mares always has to track back to some degree. Playing in that number ten role, but playing in it in a different way to Okazaki, uh, purely from an attacking point of view, just gave him an awful lot of freedom. He was popping up wherever he felt like it. He was getting on the ball, which sometimes we've struggled to. People have said, "Oh, Mares hasn't really." sparked since the title winning season but we've we've struggled to get him the ball in the right areas at times when when the team's not playing that well it's hard to find him in the right places but he was picking up pockets of space he was moving the ball around really quickly uh he played the number 10 a different way to Okazaki because Okazaki is kind of like a first line of defense in in that manner um but overall team selection very bold from Puel to drop all Brighton to drop Okazaki, who are mainstays of the team in, in sort of a home starting eleven. Uh, all of it very bold. Uh, all of it paid off. People say Mares hasn't played since since winning the league. I disagree. Last season he underperformed, but he still appeared in many games, especially in Europe and in against Man City. You remember and and and, and all sorts of games. He, he still played well in flashes. It just wasn't as often. But very a very brave. Um, I won't say formation, but a, a brave way of playing that formation, which many people will be familiar with. Essentially, it's the way England do play um, a, a back four with the two sitting midfielders and then having three men behind a centre forward. It helps Vardy, I think. It gives him the freedom up front on his own, which, of course, he would do normally if he's got uh, in a 4-4-1-1. Um, I completely agree with Mares being the middle of that midfield three, because then the other two people can try and get back. Obviously, Gray 
um, who has got such an engine on him as well. He can get up and down. He was told, look, you have to get back. Chilwell's naturally going to get back again. Got a good engine. And then you've got the two City midfielders who are Bora and Ndidi. I thought it was Ndidi's best performances for an awful long time. He looked um, mobile. He looked enthused by his position. Uh, he looked to be really enjoying playing alongside uh, Ibora. And you said uh, fluidity. Uh, fluidity. <laughs> what did you say? You said fluidity to the side. And, and, and that's what it is. That's what Leicester are. Leicester are liquid going forward. They're people running around all over the place, different positions, pulling players away from their position for other people to run into. And look at the first goal. What Ibora was doing up front, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, he witnessed. Who cares? He, exactly. He witnessed classic Leicester. That's peak Leicester. Vintage Leicester, whatever you want to say. That was a fantastic goal. Um, I know because I was with people who aren't Leicester fans who hate the club, and even they turned around and went, that is a goal. Um, what, a, what a fantastic run by Gray. Uh, dynamic, brave, incisive. He- had his head up, a lovely pass. Great ball by Mares Vardy where you want him. He doesn't miss those chances. It, it was just a super Leicester goal. Second goal, obviously, quite fortunate with the deflection, but I, I'm pretty sure we would have gone 2-0 up anyway. Uh, and then when it was 2-0, I know some people say, yeah, we, we kind of backtracked a bit, but then again, you, you, we're not been playing too well. So, you know, we needed the three points and we got the three points quite comfortably, to be honest. It, it was just a very, very... So enthusiastic about the formation, about the players who can come into it. You mentioned about the fullbacks who, in that formation, can get forward, and they did do. I've never seen Danny Simpson nearer the halfway line as often as I did on Sunday. And we know he's not the greatest player in going forward. That might be something that, A, he could work on, or B, possibly someone else can, can, can be brought in who's a bit more specialist in that role. I think on the left, we've got so many options. Fuchs is a good left back. He's... You know, he's starting to lack a little bit of pace. He gave away a, an absolute blatant stone cold penalty. Not too sure what the referee was doing, but in time, I'd look that that would be an ideal formation for the left back to be Chilwell to get down that wing. And then on the left side of midfield, it could be another from who we've got. It could be someone like a Musa, possibly on that side. I know we, <laughs> I know he's um, garbage, but in a, in a position like that, that would be an ideal position for him to get up and down that side. Um, or, obviously, Silver. Silver, Mares, and Gray. How about that for three behind Vardy? It, it's so exciting because he's come in and gone very obviously, very, very, very easy to turn around to the press and say, and turn around to the owners, actually, during an interview and say, I know the players. I've sat and watched Leicester. Everyone knows the players at Leicester. We know how we want Leicester to play. If you sat, if you're a professional football manager and you don't go into a interview for the Leicester manager's job and don't turn around and say this is how I would play, this is how I would get the best out of Mares and Vardy, etc., then you're an idiot. But he did, went and did it, so he's brave. He's he's shown the players straight away who's boss. This is the formation I want you to play. This is how we're going to play. And if the results carry on going and going and going, even if players are a bit skeptical of the manager, which some probably will be. They'll be on his side straight away. And the relationship with him and Mares, hopefully he can get the best out of Mares because, again, we know he wants to leave the club, but we want to see the best of him while he's here. He's one of the, if not the best player that's ever played for the club. And um, oh, it's just superb, like absolutely fantastic. We've got our Leicester back, that sort of thing. Um, it's uh, Yeah, I mean, he's a bit quiet, 
you can't really understand what he's saying. I don't think Vardy will understand a word he says. doesn't really matter. I don't think Puel will understand a word Vardy says either. But it's uh, that's that's by and by. You know, he he should be okay. I think I hope the the um, relationship between himself and the backroom staff is okay. That's the only thing. You look at someone like an Appleton and go, Appleton seems to be like a, a, a clever guy. He's not going to rub the new boss up the wrong way. But you just look at that and go, hang on. <laughs> when the going gets tough, how how is that relationship going to develop? Yeah, the thing with with Puel is, uh, and and the players as well. You, you tune in, uh, tune up at half time. You come out in the second half. The players will know that they've not played uh, fully to their uh, maximise their potential this year so far. Uh, they'll know obviously their league position results haven't been great. Puel's in. He's under the spotlight because he wasn't necessarily the choice on. Uh, many, if any, Leicester fans' lips when uh, when we were talking about who we'd like as a new manager. He didn't even cross the mind of, of the bookies, let alone the fans. Uh, so you can forgive every single person connected with the club for coming out in the second half and going, right, we need to make sure that we get this result home. Uh, and and it was a bit hairy to watch at times. It was quite negative. I, I was at work, uh, but I had it on um, on a on a stream one of those really legal streams, of course. Um, and, and I was watching it, and every time I glanced down, we, we were nowhere near getting out of our own half. And I thought, well, we've had backs to the wall a bit for this second period. Uh, and maybe teams with more confidence or quality than Everton would, would have found a way through there. But ultimately, as you said, it's about game management. And, and Everton made some changes at halftime, which made them uh, better, posed different problems uh, and Leicester had to deal with that. But also they had to deal with, ultimately, the Leicester players will have been a bit nervous. They'll have thought, right, with 2 nil up, we want to get this result for ourselves. We want to get this result for the manager. And equally, the manager will have been saying, look, don't get too ahead of yourselves here. We're on for a 2 nil win in my first game in charge. When people, there's not outcry, don't get me wrong, not for a second. There's nobody, uh, but there's, there are very few people saying, we didn't want him in charge. But I think I'd be right in saying that the mood overall was fairly underwhelmed with his appointment yeah, he'll have known that he'll, he'll, he'll have noticed yeah a bit skeptical he'll have noticed that he's not daft he's a very clever man from what i can gather uh football wise as well he'll have known the importance of getting that 2-0 win home uh, because it's his first game in charge because we look so good in the first half and because we were at home uh, and because everton are, are, are languishing in the in the relegation zone so from all parties, I can understand and appreciate the tentative nature with which we approached the majority of the second half. But ultimately, it was job done. Out we come with a 2-0 win. Uh, climb up a, a few places because it is very tight in the bottom half of the table at the moment. I, 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 didn't, I didn't turn off the game and think, right, we're going to finish seventh like you. But I, I turned off and I thought, you know what? He went bold. He found a way to get Graham Mahrez into the same starting line, which other managers either haven't been able to or have been fearful of doing uh, quite early on. He set the stall out. We played in the first half like, I don't want to coin this, it's a very cliche phrase, but the Leicester of old, if you like. How many times did we see swift counter-attacking uh, fluid football like, I think we can, that, like, I, I like the first the goal term, in, the, in the... I'm starting to use the term vintage now because it's been yeah. a year and a half, two years. So, vintage... Yeah, vintage Leicester. And and you look at, sometimes Gray hasn't really looked like he wanted to grasp the opportunity that he was given. Fans calling for him to start, let him start, let him start. And the occasions that he has started, he's not 
not fully got into games as much as possible. And that's that's again same with with Maris's level of performance when the when the entire team isn't quite as confident isn't, isn't quite as 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 flowing. It's difficult to get into the game for flair players like Graham Maris. Exactly. Just in, look... in, their, in his position, in, in his position out wide, he gets the ball. He thinks he's got to do something because he's got to impress the manager. Exactly. He's got to try and impress the fans. So he's trying to do the tricks. And if it doesn't come off, then they're going to get on his back. When if you win in two 0 you're playing well, then you can try a trick. And maybe it does come off. Maybe it doesn't. But fans will give you that because you're winning. But that position in the side, in that bit narrower in that three. He gives them the opportunity to get back, get the ball, make some tackles and actually run forward and be a bit more central. Swap over with Mares, get in the game more, get on the ball more. That's what you want. All you want is your flair player to get the ball as much as possible. Now, I'm yeah, just saying... look at the desire, though, for the goal. He's exactly. he's back there on the on the corner of his own penalty area. And rather than just look up and try and release Vardy early, which is normally the staple thing for Leicester to do. He has got. He he's tried to take on his man. He's had to run a long way. Was it Tom Davis who tried to make the first tackle? He's Tom, had to run Tom a long Davis way around him because disaster in the first half with them. Yeah, too. but he's 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 trying his best to make him run as wide a path as possible. Gray um, six months ago might have just felt that touch, gone down, consi- uh, taken the free kick, allowed Leicester to to empty the box. And get up the pitch and, and move on, but he's he's he was strong. He was determined to get round him, left him on the floor, got to the ball ahead of the second Everton man, then picked his head up, then picked the pass, and then you you back in Maris and Vardy at pace with the defence backpedalling. You'd back them nine times out of ten to create a goal scoring opportunity, but that all stemmed from Gray's desire not only to get the ball and to run with it, but to fend off challenges, ride challenges. And still have the the mental capacity to then think right. I need to put this ball here for him um, at, to, to create the goal. It was it was a goal almost entirely of Gray's making, and it's something that we've seen very very little of with him so far because we've not seen an awful lot of him. But if you can get him to be putting in performances like that, to be doing lung busting runs like like that, he's going to be warmed to very quickly by the fans because. Sometimes I think the relationship uh, between the fans and Gray has been a little bit hit and miss because sometimes his attitude doesn't quite look great. Sometimes he posts something on Instagram that makes him look a bit sulky. Do you know what I mean? But, his but, natural demeanour is not very good on the pitch. No, his, his shoulder no. always down. He, he kind of looks down all the time. I think that's a, na- a natural thing because even after the goal went in, he still had that. So I, I generally think that, that's him how he is but yeah but when uh, you see what he actually did in the build-up for the goal the fans will then appreciate well actually no he's not like that he is prepared to work hard for the cause he does have a lot to contribute to the game with and without the ball in that sense Uh, and I think a lot of fans will have will have warmed to him Uh, the ones that have been saying oh give Gray a start will will feel justified in saying that but the ones that perhaps weren't so sure and I'll count myself as one of them I'd say look yes he's got natural ability and he's got flair but I, I don't think he produced it consistently enough so far but that goal alone and his performance in the first half alongside the rest of the team would justify for me giving Gray a run in the team and then let's measure how consistent uh, he can reach that high level for oh definitely it's it's he's got a bit of a track record Puel of giving youth a chance um obviously at Southampton you, you do that anyway but um in his previous clubs that he's done very well at uh, he's known as bringing youth players through it's it's interesting that with uh, Damari Gray his best performances on the football field have been when he's had a bit of 
uh, not pressure, he's been given responsibility, he's been given a main position, and that's for the England under-21s, where he's played down the centre pretty much as a centre-forward, and he's been given that responsibility, and he's played his best football of his career, you have to say, for the under-21s. Now, um, I'm not saying that Leicester were built around Jamie Vardy, but the 4-4-1-1 did really play into Vardy's strength, which is what you want to do. You want to play into your, your main player's strength. But with this new formation, or the formation, should I say, that they played on Sunday, it played into Mahrez's strengths. It helps Vardy as well, because he's still there on his own. But also, it's, a, like you said, a way of getting Gray in the side. Very enthusiastic. By all accounts, uh, Club well. he uh, really does look at the opposition, study them hard, and then will change the formation according to the opposition. So it's not like a, a Leicester where we're just going to play four four two or four four one one uh with Okazaki just behind Vardy and it doesn't matter who we play against, that's how we play. I don't think that's going to be the case with Club Well. I think it's going to be we would be seeing maybe a back three on occasion. We might be playing four four one one if that suits the opposition. We might be playing the the four two three one or whatever it was on Sunday. Uh, we will be very well the players will have to be very adaptable and hopefully then they, they, they really buy into that. But very positive. When I mean seventh, that's what we should be aiming for. And I don't see any reason why we can't finish seventh now. And I know I'm going back off one game. But you you look at any other side in that league below sixth place and look at a performance that they've put in to say they can then go and finish seventh. You would say possibly Watford, who are going to slip up every now and again like they did at the weekend. You might say Newcastle, who then went to Burnley and lost. You won't say Burnley, even though they're doing very well. They'll end up losing their manager. And also, they haven't really put in that sparkling 45 minutes of we can beat anyone. They're a very solid team and you don't take them lightly at all. But you're just looking down that league from 7th downwards. There isn't really a side who's put it in there. You look at Southampton. No, not for me. Very solid, can't score, not playing well at all. West Brom, no, they're backtracking if anything so why not I, I i just think it, it should be where we should be aiming for a lot of people said you know mid table but no for me now you want to be looking higher plus everyone's beating everyone i think the gap between sixth and seventh this season is going to be absolutely huge and uh well we'll see how how we get on i mean we've got a big game this coming saturday home uh sorry away at uh stoke but it's uh, an early kickoff so it's live on tv if you're not going to the um What's it called now? The three six five. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's about three six five, isn't it? They've it was the Britannia it. back it in my day. Used, used to live in Stoke. Adopted them as my second team for a, for a little while. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The bet three six five, and because uh, of course that's a, a firm from Stoke. Uh, all the betting firms are available, and uh, yeah, so it will be a difficult game, but we can go there and win. There's no reason why not to. They'll be looking at that performance. And they'll be bricking themselves, absolutely bricking themselves. Thinking, the thing oh, is with God, Stoke, why, you've got absolutely have, no idea what ta- what team's going to turn up. Yeah, I know what you mean, but they're a, they're, they're a strange bunch. They've got the odd person who can do something out of nothing, like a Shakiri, uh, but they they look a bit ponderous, and it's just not working. I think if you get a goal early, they, they get on the back of Hughes. They, um, I know they did well uh, to get something out of Watford, but also. They lost the last home game to Bournemouth. They aren't pulling pulling up any sticks. There's another team who I don't think will be will be finishing in seventh. So there's no reason why we can't go there and and, and get three points. I'd like to go with the same team, the same setup, um, see how it goes again, same personnel, and 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 tell the players, look, if it doesn't work, there's there's 
all sorts of options, as we know um, from when we played uh, against Leeds. There's all sorts of players on the bench, virtually a whole different side who can easily handle a top, top side in the championship and also beat Liverpool or a change Liverpool side in the cup. But uh, yeah, why not go there and win? Back with for Fox sake and the Carabao or Caravan Cup. Actually, just just actually uh, our last episode, which we did, of course, at the King Power. Um, I think you said uh, you on about before. I was going to mention it about Mares and Gray being in the same side. That's what we said. We we actually predicted Gray and Mares were going to be in the same team. Did we really? Against it? Well, I did. Um, it's like future Pete all over again. Future Pete, exactly. It's the um, we I don't need to. We don't need to bring that feature back. We don't need to. Well, I don't know. Don't don't rule it out. Don't rule it. Well, out. we never know when he's going to call, do we? That's you, the point. Exactly. If the phone rings, it could be future Pete. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, don't worry. Go back and listen to. Maybe was it called Future Pete? The episode was. I'm not too sure. Not. I'm not sure. Might be know. called Back to the Future. Knowing us. Yeah, something along those lines. But anyway, I I did say. Because uh, we finished with Mares and Gray either side of two up front, and I said that's how we should go. It didn't quite work like that one, but we still played with those two in the side for the first time. I don't think ever, but um, for well over a year. But anyway, on to uh, the Caravan Cup. Did you watch the draw? Well, no, but I'm glad I didn't because I would have been sitting around waiting for goodness knows how long. Well, a no lot one of did. people, no one I can't did. remember. What did it did it get shown in the end or not or did they just no 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 there I was I was ready ready and waiting I knew, I knew there were technical issues I didn't realise it never actually got shown no I I was um, I was sat ready and waiting you don't need to know where but um, and uh, and uh, it, obviously there was a problem now the first thing is a lot of people were criticising it being on Twitter I completely disagree I think that's the way forward it should be on TV but also it should be broadcast live on Twitter so basically wherever you are in the world you can watch it if you've got a smartphone you can just you know click on it and and there you go completely free but but and a big but it needs to be live so if you've got a problem and they say it's going to be in an hour's time do it in an hour's time if you've got a problem and it's going to be in another half an hour it's got to be in a half an hour's time it can't be what they did and that's sorry we can't broadcast it live. Here's the nine-minute video of what happened. Oh, and by the way, all the four big teams are split up from each other. Now, I am definitely not. Are saying, you a conspiracy theorist? Um, I'm a semi-conspiracy theorist. I don't think it's been fudged because it it, it it hasn't. It, it, if it is, they would be banned from the. It, it, it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to someone someone like Tufnell and Dawson as much as they are. You know, chalk and cheese. Really, you know, people might not like them. Some people might like them. They're not going to agree to some kind of dodgy format. You know, some kind of dodgy um, recorded draw. We'll do the one where we drew the teams out that all going to miss each other. Um, I don't believe that they would agree to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what a complete mess! You can't put a, rec- a, a, a video of the draw online a recording of it and say there you go that's what happened what a mess anyway but so we got man city at home at least we're at home we wanted a home draw it's a shame we've got man city but we've beat them before we've beat the first team we've beat the reserves we can beat them again um it'd be interesting to see how and uh, what kind of uh, approach they take whether they would uh, here's my question to you rob 
okay, you are the manager. It is on the Tuesday or the Wednesday of the game. What do you do? Which team do you play? Um, what team would I put out? Uh, as, as I it, think in, it, you don't have to go through the whole one eleven, but what would you go with the team that played against Leeds? Would you play a mix of them and a first team, or would you play bang first team? Uh, I'd pick the team that played against Leeds because I think it it represents a a good opportunity for Claude Puel to look at the other players that he's got uh, on his hands. Obviously, he'll have watched the game against Leeds as pre- as part of the preparation for his interview process, uh, and he'll know about some of the players that that he's got at, at his disposal. But he won't know how they will action themselves and action the instructions that he gives in a match situation unless he puts them on the pitch. And I'd rather him do that in that match than in a league match because regardless of what position we are in the league at the moment, get it, getting a run of results and getting some points on the board is, is an awful lot more important than perhaps getting a, a one step closer to getting hands on a trophy that we that we've won in our fairly recent history. Um, also, the team that played against Leeds and the way they played against Leeds were were decent. Yes, they were playing against Leeds, not Manchester City. But we looked at we singled out players such as uh, Daniel Amati and uh, Alexander Dragovic uh, as players that could very easily and comfortably slot straight into Leicester's strongest starting eleven if that if that was necessary. Um I think Daniel Amati in particular would be he'd be very unlucky not to get a game against Manchester City. When are these players going to get game time if we're doing quite well in the league? Do you know what I mean? If you if you've got a, a team that's that's performing well and, and, and some consistency there in the league, when are these players gonna get their game time and let's not be let's not forget that we need to keep these players uh one hungry and motivated but two match sharp so that they are ready to step into the first team as and when there are injuries because at some point this season most of the players that started against Leeds will have to start a league game you can't just let them sit in the reserves and go oh, yeah it's your turn now and expect a, a 9 10 out of 10 performance I, I I know what you're saying, and uh, obviously a lot of the time on for Fox Eight, you know, we 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 completely agree, and that's what you know. Many people go, oh, you you agree? I completely disagree with you this time because for me, you're playing in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. Okay, you're playing against the best team in England. I would not play the full first team. I would make one or two changes. Schmeichel back in goal. I would bring Morgan back in. I, I would make it as close to the first team as possible. If you want to play one or two slightly different players, then that would be fine for me. But I would make it virtually the first team and go, let's go for it. Because you win this, you're in the semi-finals of, of, a, of a competition. So, but then the question is, what of the players that perform well, like Slomani and Amati, what, what have they got to do to be considered as one of the starting well, 11 for at a least point. a cup game? It's a good point, but f- for me, one of the changes might be Armati coming in for Simpson. The other one might be Chilwell going back to fullback and Fuchs being left out the side, given an opportunity for someone then to come into midfield alongside Mares and uh, and Gray. Up front, I would start with Vardy. If you want to start with Iniacho, then that's fine and have Vardy on the bench. But I'm talking about two, maybe three changes. One uh, being a position, two or three being personnel, but that's it. The majority of the side is going to be the first team. But having maybe at the top of those reserve players, 
Iniacho, our Marty, those sort of players who we know are pushing for first team spots, put them in and then have maybe the others coming on after an hour or so or if and when needed. Um, that's what I would do. And I think it will show an intent to the crowd and the intent to Man City. And also it will show to the players, look, we know you've done well, but without being funny, you're playing in the quarterfinals of the League Cup against Man City at home. You've got Kasper Michael in your squad. You play him. You don't play Ben Hamer. You know he's he's a, he's a he's a decent goalkeeper. Okay, he's the reserve goalkeeper. We're not too sure what's happened with uh, Jakubovic or whatever his name is. So, but for, you don't play, in my opinion, Hamer in a quarterfinal against Man City at home when you've got a chance of going through to the semi-finals. I, I agree with you on Dragovic, good player. You play Morgan and Maguire. Okay, maybe in the Premier League if if they've got a game. Uh, three days later, okay, and one of them comes out with a slight knock. That's maybe when you play Dragovic. But for me, in that one game, you don't get into the quarterfinals often. Look what happened last year when we went to Millwall. We had a, a, a fantastic opportunity of getting really, really far in the FA Cup, and we blew it um, in the, one of the worst games of all time. Don't let that happen. I know we're playing against Man City, and if they go 4 nil up inside half an hour, that's what happens, and maybe you can take off one or two players and bring on those players who maybe should have started, but you've got to go for it. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about it before the game, but um, for me, you've got to take it seriously and really go for that, because if you win, you're in the you're in the semi-finals. Fantastic. And then who knows what could happen. But, um, but that's all in the future. Obviously, we've got Stoke on Saturday, which we mentioned. Um, one interesting story, Rob, I don't know where you've seen this today, about the training ground. Yeah, multi-million pound, brand new, somewhere near the M1 yeah, training I mean, ground. It, it sounds pretty exciting. It does. It's, a, it's obviously a bit of a pig to get to um, Beaver Drive. And... Um, and people can watch the training out their windows. Yes, it's it's a nice area. They spent a lot of money on it, um, but it's an old-fashioned type training ground. The pitches are fine, and that it's just not what um, modern top ten Premier League sides have. And they've taken the leaf out of like some Man City and Spurs. They've obviously done the research, and uh, essentially they've looked at what they've got, and they've gone obviously not going to have what Man City have got, which is essentially a football city, um, but. They've identified an area and they're going to spend tens and tens of millions of pounds developing a brand new training ground, which is basically fantastic news because it means that King Power are going to continue being at Leicester and, and, and long may they be at Leicester. We we know what interest they've got outside of football. They love their polo. They're getting so into horse racing, it's unbelievable every day. At uh, my uh, my my normal job, it's the, you're seeing runners in the King Power silks, um, and now this, they're ploughing in tens and tens of million millions into a new training ground, which they reckon will be built in in no time at all. In you know uh, the best part of two years or so. So it's all it's interesting where it is because they did say it's for better access. Um, I'm not entirely sure whereabouts near the M1. One little notes on that. It would be interesting if there is a lot of land around there and they build this whether maybe in the future you know in three or four more years five years time that they might be looking at that area and go well there's lots of room around there why not maybe put the stadium there you never know all these things are possible and bring it on i say it they they want to be an established club and uh in the top 10 and that's just it's music isn't it it's absolute music yeah it's a statement of their intention uh, and I think it kind of reassures any supporters that maybe were thinking 
uh, uh, maybe questioning a couple of their decisions, thinking, oh, what are they actually in this for? Of course they're in it to to make money and gain brand exposure. Of course they are. But also... Which they have, which they have done... But they have done massively. They've they, they've they've said essentially. Um, I think it, I think it was after they they won the league um, at the start of the next season. There, there was I remember something by saying, without taking money out of the football club or without touching the club at all, the exposure that Leicester City has brought King Power not just in winning the league but by being promoted and ultimately just being successful and also being very well run. Um, obviously, all the tours and all that sort of thing. It's it's basically increased King Power's turnover umpteenfold. They they've made so much money that's had nothing to do with football directly, or the or the money that's put into football by us buying tickets or from the TV deal. Because at the moment, we know for a fact that all the money that's being put into the club by TV, by um, getting far in Europe, seventy odd million, or by fans selling out every week, including against championship side leads absolutely for King Power Stadium. All that money is going on the side. It's going on play, it's going on signings. Some of them maybe not worked out. But we know as Leicester fans that the owners are not saying, right, oh, I've got uh, £120 million here. Tell you what, I'm going to have £40 million for myself and then I'm going to put £30 million into the club and the others will go on expenditure. That's not how it's being ran. All the money that the club's generating by all accounts and well by looking at the accounts when they're published they are it's going on the players it's going on the side yeah and it's just another another statement of how well run we are and how lucky we are when you look around at other owners in uh, other clubs that are an absolute mess on and off the field our owners have uh, very quickly came in um they have established a good relationship with the supporters. They've backed every manager that they've had until they've realised that they need to make a change for footballing reasons. Every managerial decision so far has been spot on. They've invested heavily in the training ground, knowing full well, I would imagine, that they would have had a long-term plan to go to this training ground. It's not just they didn't just decide this yesterday and go, oh yeah, let's build a new one. They'll have all along, they'll have been thinking about that, but they knew that in the short term, improving the facilities there at the training ground would help things so they invested that money knowing that they probably wouldn't get it get it back or wouldn't get any real return on it so they're just very happy to put their money where their mouth is in every single place every part of the club the little things where they spend a bit of money on treating the fans every now and again with a free beer and a free donut or whatever brilliant so simple doesn't really cost them much in terms of the, the their overall worth but it's just a nice little thing to give back to the fans. Training ground upgrade, brand new training ground now. Excellent. Every single part of the club is well looked after. Um, and we've had this conversation many times before. We don't really need to get back into it. If there are the odd person in, in roles that they perhaps shouldn't be in or, or aren't doing what people perceive they should be doing, then so be it. But overall, the owners have the best interest of the club as well as their business interests at heart. And, and it's good that they care about the business side of things because you don't just want them to come in and, uh, and, and pay enough money but not really invest in the playing side to get us to that next level. You don't want them equally to come in and start lobbing hundreds of millions of pounds at it knowing that in 18 months it could break them. I think they've managed things on and off the field very sensibly so far but with a lot of passion and dedication uh, and long may it continue. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I don't know whether you heard the uh, the helicopter go over, but uh, that might have been them with a new signing already. But uh, no, I completely agree, and uh, we'll see how far it, how far it gets us. But uh, it's uh, it's an interesting development. What it's going to be called now? That that, that that's the first thing that I thought of because all these grounds tend to be uh, either named after a former player or maybe the area, or obviously with the owners. But I think the, the thing is with the owners, with the last thing is. Aren't they meant to be the worst owners under the sea? Aren't they meant to not know what they're doing? That's what all the national radio stations and national media think. They hire and fire clueless owners. They have no idea, you know, unscrutable owners are only in it for the money. That's what. That's the impression you get, isn't that right? That's what everyone thinks. That's what Leicester fans think, apparently, according that, no, to that's what the we're national told media. To think, Pete. That's what we're told. That's to what think. we're told that's to think. Exactly right. It's not I, when um, when Shakespeare was sacked. It was amazing. After, after I went on a few bits and bobs. Um, as per usual, and every single one was saying about, uh, oh yeah, but the, the, you know, Leicester fans, uh, they didn't want Ranieri gone. I said, well, who, who are you talking to? Uh, oh yeah, they didn't want Shakespeare gone. Or they, well, hang on, I'm not saying we didn't want him gone, or would he, it was just a, a, a situation that the, the owners were decisive and made their decision. As you said, they've been completely proved right in all their decisions to do with the managers um, at the time of what was needed, i.e., bringing in Shaky. Um, for Ranieri um, at the time and keeping him there, but they've been proved right. I think the the, the national media with Leicester again, uh, it, it used to be a bit of a witch hunt. The the nineties were awful when O'Neill was doing well. Um, the media gave them absolutely nothing. It was all who is this tar- who is this side doing well? You know what, what are they? Absolutely nothing. They obviously went with Leicester in the season on the league obviously you have to what a fantastic story the manager helped an awful lot with the media as well but uh, now there's a few daggers out for him I think and uh, and and, and there's just absolute nonsense being written and being spoke on on national media as well Um, and and it's funny that there's a few people as well who have started to bite who maybe bit their tongue uh, during when Leicester were doing well and now they're saying, oh, they're a, a bit of a joke club, joke run club. They, they they fluke the league. It was nothing to do with anything. It was it was just a, a one-off, which we know, but they didn't fluke it at all. And uh, there's a few people who have, have almost come out the closet and they, they didn't want to say it when Leicester were doing well because it would have gone against the grain of what everyone was thinking. But now they're actually thinking and saying what they what they actually wanted to say originally and uh and there we go we know what we're talking about you've read them and listened to them or maybe heard what they've had to say but uh yeah there we go there's a little bit of a rant to end with love your rants it's true it's true so shall we wrap it up there yeah yeah i mean i don't <laughs> want to mention any any you know any radio stations or anything talk sport but um it's uh yeah so anyway we are uh back next week and we'll try and be in for fox 8 hq um because we hopefully will be celebrating being on top half of the table and absolutely flying after smashing Stoke at the, uh, at the at whatever it's called. So I reckon I reckon we'll go there and win. I, I can't see any reason why not. Two 0 No, I I agree with you. I think uh, play the same team, play the same style, and bring home another three points. Bang on! Excellent. Right, get in contact with us the normal way at FFS Pod for Fox 8 Pod on Twitter and on Facebook you can just search for for Fox 8 Podcast you can also send us an email for fox8podcast at gmail.com now I've got it working again and uh, yeah make sure you follow us make sure you share and tell your friends about it as well you can and the best way to listen to us I know a lot of people listen via SoundCloud but if you've got iTunes if you've got iTunes on your laptop 
on your uh, phone if you've got a podcast app to do with iTunes you can search for us on there and then click subscribe it's completely free and it means as soon as an episode comes out you've got it so uh, also give us a rating if you want and leave a message on there but uh, iTunes is the best way it's completely free uh, just click on subscribe go onto the podcast area and it's there uh, SoundCloud as well so make sure you follow us on there but uh, that's it for this week and we'll be back next week <laughs>